Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. We could be. We might be. I believe we are. We are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. Thank you very much for tuning in to the latest episode that's not really an episode, but it kind of is, of the I'm No Joe podcast here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. It's kind of, it's a complex thing. It's not really an episode, but it is an episode. It's, it's, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, I do want to take a moment here and thank the fine folks coming along to help get into the shenaniganry and make this shit-talking session as fun as we can for you fine folks. First and foremost, the freshest guest a man could possibly ask for, Mr. Fresho3. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? Doing good, doing good. We got, uh, well, I mean, there's not a lot of news to talk about, but there is, a, there is something we need to talk about. There's... Something. Yeah, there's some there's some shit. There's... Two, week, two weeks in a row getting my mind blown, my mind blown by fights. So for, for real, I'm ready for real. Chat. Yeah. <laughs> and then across the octagon from myself, as it were, more often than not, my Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit talking compatriot here, Mr. Golf T himself, TJ. How you doing, brother? Pretty good. I'll say um. Things went a lot better this last weekend than I thought they would as far as this card was concerned. However, there's some stuff that really got on my fucking nerves that I'm definitely going to unleash on. Uh, there's one fight in particular that really bugged this out of me. But hey, that is what it is. But there was some, there was a fucking banger of a main event, man. We, we definitely got uh, spoiled more than we expected, I think is a good way to put it here. Um, so, before we get into all the shenaniganry here, um, the the reason I say this both is and isn't an episode, um, technically speaking, I'm using air quotes for those of you who are only listening, um, the season two finale was last week when we gave you our predictions and breakdowns for this Las Vegas 4 card prior to the event. I was originally going to do a What Did I Say show where I would give the recap and then kind of bounce the results of what actually happened versus how we thought it was going to go down. Um, due to the obvious craziness that is Backstreet Boys life these days, that did not happen. So here we are. We are going to go over those interesting results and the subsequent medical information that's been released about them following that. But to let you know what the actual end of Season 2 means here on I'm No Joe... We are switching things up. Season 2, the reason we're ending Season 2 here is because this part of 2020 already feels like it's been more than a full year unto itself with everything that we've dealt with so far. Aside from the UFC, just the craziness that has been the year. So when we move into the Fight Island, quote-unquote, phase of our UFC upcoming stage, we're also going to move into a new season of I'm No Joe here, and we're going to change up the broadcast programming just a little bit. Um, the first thing you are going to notice is that starting with next week, the initiate of the season three programming will be 
a new news and recent events show all to itself, where we would usually do that at the beginning of a Thursday night show. We're going to have that all unto itself so we can talk and, and go off about some of the things that we generally will derail a regular show with on Wednesday nights on 8.30 Central CST, just before the Cloudy Bunker, 9.30 Central. Bring one into the other here. That will bring us with Thursdays with the regular I'm No Joe podcast here to just give our time full dedication to the breakdowns of cards. So this particular week, Wednesday, we will have the news and recent events, talk about fight announcements, talk about odd things that have happened in the world of fighting, combat sports, and whatnot, like we normally would on Thursday. That's going to be Wednesday night at 8.30 Central. Then this coming Thursday, the first I'm No Joe podcast of Season 3, we will be talking about both of the first week of Fight Islands events, both UFC 251 and the Wednesday night Abu Dhabi Fight Night 1. I don't know that they've officially given it one of those weird fucking moniker names yet, um, but that card will be Wednesday night, July 15th. So we will be breaking down both 251 and the July 15th card because Wednesday night, July 15th, just so happens to be a night where we will be available for some live combat compatriot commentary for your viewing pleasure, much like we did just a few weeks back when we got that wonderfully convenient Wednesday night show. So, why the fuck not? We're going to do it again. Uh, as is most cases when fights are on, there is no telling who will or will not pop in live, how long they're going to stay, or how crazy it's going to get, but I promise you it will be entertaining. Also, to help kind of alleviate some of the time where we tend to drone on on a normal Thursday night show, we are going to start releasing some smaller, more easily digestible, I guess would be the, the term, clips. Uh, little definitions, phrases to help you kind of understand the terminology that we use. Um, individual subjects that just some of us have opinions on that don't really fit as much in the rotational roundtable format like this just to get some spiel out. We're going to start putting out some smaller bits. It'll help cut down the time on the regular show, so we'll just be able to get more ideas across you guys in easier consumable for formats. Uh, nothing major, nothing crazy. We're not losing anything. We're not chopping anything out. We're just kind of shuffling things around. We're going to make things a little more easy for everybody to enjoy, and if you want the long format, it'll still be there. If you like those shorter clips, we'll start having some of those as well. We're going to just make it a little easier for everybody to enjoy. That being said, holy shit did we end out Las Vegas with a hell of a run. The Apex hosted four weeks of combat in a row. This last one might have been one of the most surprising total cards we have seen over these four weeks. Now, I'm not trying to say by any stretch of the imagination this was the best card we had there because... Hot damn if we didn't have a fucking great pay-per-view from the Apex, surprising though it may be. Uh, but this was probably the best all-around card. Top to bottom, there really wasn't any boring fight, any lull in the action. When this shit started off, it started hot, and it rolled hot till we got to the very end of the fucking fight. 
on the very end of the card. It was a hell of a night of entertainment, all in all, I've got to say. And as much as you like to say MMA math doesn't always work, it kind of did a little bit on Saturday night. Um, it also went against the grain, and that's sometimes what you think is going to happen is not at all where things end up. Uh, first great example of that, um, the ladies that kicked right out of the gate. Uh, Kay Hansen making her debut at 20 years old, coming over from Invicta, uh, fighting a woman who has a master's and a PhD. Um, so very educated, very experienced ladies in the octagon to kick things off. And as if the fight wasn't going crazy and beautifully enough, technically back and forth, uh, Kay Hansen lands a beautiful fucking submission that just absolutely stole the fucking early part of the show. Every moment there was an action, they were talking back about or kind of referencing to, holy shit, was that not just the coolest fucking chick fight we just saw a minute ago? Uh, Kay Hansen has a very, very bright future in the UFC, I believe. Uh, the only thing I would really say that is going to be any kind of a detriment is her... What is the best way to put it? Post-fight press etiquette, I believe, would, would be a good way to describe that. Uh, she took her time after the fights were over when she had her, her moment in front of the cameras to kind of walk back old comments that she had made while she was in Invicta instead of talking about the beautiful fucking performance that she had just put on and talk about how she's focusing on moving forward with her career and maybe issue a statement later on social media or something if you want to talk about those comments because she kind of diminished her own shine a little bit, I feel. Um, go ahead. I'll go ahead and let her update it, Jeff. Um, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very fun fight from both ladies. Um, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, Frey gets another shot, or you Frey or you Frey, however, yeah. However, she, yeah, however she wants to be addressed. Um, I hope she gets another shot. She's a little bit of an older gal, and she's been working really hard to get here. So she put know, a hell of a show. I, I don't think there. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there. I don't think you can really take too much away from her. You know, she, I agree. She, she was very, she was very entertaining. Um, she, like I said, she's been around. She's a vet. Um, I hope she, I hope she gets another shot. But yeah, um, I kind of agreed that Hanson, that Hanson kind of took a little bit of shine off herself. But I mean, with the way she fought, I mean, you can't take too much shine off, yeah. <laughs> off yourself. So you're, you're getting another shot. So yeah, both ladies, I think deserve deserve more more in the UFC. I look forward I look forward to it. I say give her a pass on her post fight. She's twenty fucking years old. She look, I, I don't care who you are. At twenty years old, you're fucking retard, period. Right. Yeah, there's definitely you, some You can be factor. in college or not. You can have already graduated college because you somehow managed <laughs> to graduate high school at sixteen. You're still a fucking idiot. Yeah. When the lights are bright and they're in front of you, you just put on a hell of a fucking performance. Of course, you're going to open your mouth and shit's just going to fall out. At that point, 
you're no better than having verbal diarrhea because that's all that's happening at that point. So I I just don't think she nobody coached her on what to do afterwards. They coached her on what to do while she was in there, just not what to do afterwards, which look, that's not your coach's job to teach you that. However, they could probably give her a couple better pointers on, hey, you probably should have done this later, but I have to give her a fucking hundred percent pass because being twenty years old you really don't think a lot of time before you talk. And sometimes when you're 20, you burn bridges that way. <laughs> you know, it's fuck you. I know what I'm doing. Right. Obviously, she does inside the cage. Otherwise, wouldn't have had the outcome. But Very true. obviously, on the outside, she could use a little coaching. Maybe a little PR work. Uh, you know. Yeah, a little, a little polishing to be done for sure. But I, I agree. I think her performance inside the cage definitely shows a, a bright bright future ahead if she can keep her act together and as young as she is she can do nothing but get better because look a lot of the women that are in the strawy division right now they're i'm not going to say they're getting long in the tooth because they're not necessarily that way but a a lot of them are late 20s to mid 30s right now which that's that that's that weird age where either you're peaking or you're coming down usually in that in that category one of the two so i think she's got a really bright future especially considering you know 10 years down the road is she gonna have to worry about the current um strong weight champ right i don't know if we're gonna have the same i don't know if we're gonna have the same current strong weight champ 10 months down the road (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) shit's a little crazy but yeah, she gets passed from me when it comes to post-fight pressers because, you know, that's something that's learned, and obviously she hasn't done enough of them. So that will bring us to the big men early on in the card. Um, holy shit. Uh, color me mullet shocked. Uh, Tanner Bozer came out with the full-on, like, just party in the back glory rocking full side shave and you know for whatever reason Felipe Lenz just could not really get his pattern established he couldn't really get his game plan working and then out of nowhere clean as a fucking whistle clear as a bell ding Tanner Bozer fucking rung him one and just shut the fucking night out for Felipe Lenz. Um, as weird as it is, it kind of seems like this is what's happening in the heavyweight division a lot lately. We get a guy that just seems like he's on a roll, and then out of nowhere, stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go directly to the fucking locker room, sit down and put an ice bag on your fucking neck because you got rocked. And it seems like Tanner Bozer was his night to stand up and volunteer his tribute because he really came out of nowhere as the underdog in this fight and just kind of shocked everyone. Uh, Absolute fucking props to him in doing so. He fucking definitely took control and shut that fucking shite that fight down big boy it's always fun to watch period that's the heavyweight division is kind of uh for lack of better terms it's a 
fucking free for all, in my opinion. It really is, and it's crazy. Until you, you fight Francis Ngannou. <laughs> right, yeah, no shit. Yeah, until you get yeah. to the very top. <laughs> yeah. yeah like you know, the, I, I thought, I mean, I was there. Pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, I thought Felipe, Felipe Lenz never really, never got going. No. Like, he never really, he was never able to establish a pattern. He's never really ever to work, to work his game. And next thing you know, like, he looked off balance. He looked off balance the whole, I think it was about two minutes. Yeah. A little over two minutes that, that lasted. Like, you know, it makes me wonder, with the way he looked there, I'm wondering if his fight with our, his last fight with Arlovsky, where Arlovsky kind of, did a very good job for being an older fighter of kind of picking and landing his shots where he needed to in order to win the fight. I'm wondering if that fucked with Felipe's um, psyche at all. Because Felipe's a young guy. Yeah. Yeah. It might, yeah, it might have made him a little gunshot. Something like that can crack him where you go, hey, maybe that's what caused him to come off on the wrong foot. Good old bad, good old bad body constrictor worked him over. Yeah. Set him up a little bit too much. Every time he got comfortable, he fucked with him and it made him a little gun shy. Uh, yeah. yeah, he just uh, he didn't look right to me. He didn't look right to me. I mean, it's what it is. It was entertaining to watch. I mean, it's always entertaining to watch someone get get just fucking wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. And to be fair, I don't think that that really is going to take away a whole lot from Felipe Lenz. I think that's actually going to give more shine to Tanner Bozer than it's going to be a detriment to Felipe Lenz. Because for you know. Hats off to fucking Tanner for rocking him, but that was not necessarily the most, like, technical outclassing. Like we said, that kind of felt a little bit like Felipe was still a half-step off. Um, so I think it's going to be one of those, like, more along the lines of see what Felipe shows up next time so much as it's going to be, like, Tanner did good, but he didn't mm-hmm. just, like, ruin the fucking evening. He didn't run the house on fucking... Felipe, I think Felipe still got a chance here. He's just got to come back and be oh, yeah. smart. But yeah, he's a he's a young he's a young dude. He can bounce back. I mean, yeah, we we've seen we've seen it. I mean, this is kind of the turning point for him, though. Yeah, like, dude, are you gonna are you gonna bounce back and get your shit together? Or yeah, this is you your this is your real time to fucking get it together moment. Like this is yeah, where you can you, either you become to... somebody or end up in yeah. rising, <laughs> rising or Invicta or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, someone right. someone would certainly pick him up, but. Mm-hmm. I don't, think he has to worry, I don't think he has to worry about a job, but he might have to worry about his job with Dana if he takes another, takes another, uh, another nap or gets another decision against him. Right. Uh, shit or get off the pot, man. At this point. Right. Okay, and Zoom frozen OBS again, so I'm going to refresh real quick. And we bounce back. That's I fucking hate that OBS and Zoom are fighting like this. I feel like the weird kid caught in the middle of a fucking awkward divorce at Thanksgiving. <sighs> fucking weirdness. Anyways, <laughs> moving on from that ridiculousness. Um, one of the early oh shit moments in the card that kind of really lets you know that this holy shit, boys and girls. 
if you didn't get the benefit of watching this fucking extremely fast-paced war that just went fucking insane, uh, Kama Worthy is just a little bit shorter than Luis Pena, which I didn't realize until they got in the face-off. Uh, I thought they were the same height. No, uh, Bob Ross is bigger than almost everyone in that fucking division. But he couldn't outmaneuver Kama Worthy. Kama Worthy was the whole fight a step ahead of him. Every time he would move, Worthy was cutting him off in the octagon. When they go to the ground and you see Pena try to initiate his jujitsu, Kama would already be stepping out or he would be rolling over. He would be initiating the defense before Pena could put it on. And then, just to put a little bit of icing on the fucking cake and make it that just much more beautiful... Luis Pena coming in with a very strong jiu-jitsu game, intending to choke out Kama Worthy, gets caught and gets choked out. Luis Pena ends up tapping, gets out jiu by Kama Worthy in a very, very smooth fashion as well. I mean, Luis Pena... It seems very much like when he moved to Florida and went to ATT, for as good as ATT does for most fighters down there, it seems like he might be the exception to that rule. It legitimately starting to seem like he actually lost a step in going from leaving Arkansas to go to California, which I thought was a strange move, and that not working out, and now leaving California, going down to Florida to go to ATT, and that not working out either. Clearly... Something is off in his game. You have seen since he started moving, he has not been able to put a solid fight in. The Bob Ross that we saw once upon a time that got all that shine has not showed up since Luis Pena has started bouncing around. And I think it's starting to show. I think realistically he needs to figure out where he wants to be and he needs to plant his ass. And, you know, not for nothing, I'm, again, a fucking armchair Eddie Bravo, but it seems like for what it little, you know, place that it was, Arkansas got you a lot fucking further than anywhere else has. Maybe it's time to stick with the gal you brought to the dance. And maybe cut the one that you're at the dance with lately, because, man, if you no. look at these social media, Shit. there's not a whole lot of focus on fighting. No, it's not, and it's not really, it's a little cringy now. It's not really the guy that we got to see when he first showed up. It's a little, yeesh. It's only made the big time I'm getting paid, whatever, I'm gonna fuck off now. Yeah. I mean, now's not the time to fuck off, but hey, you know, I mean, you were favored in the fight, but I told everybody who was watching the fight with me this week, and I was like, I bet you Kama Worthy wins this. And you could almost see it in the walkout. Like, Kama Worthy came out, and you could see he was fucking focused, man. He, you know, granted, everybody was dancing a little bit, but Kama Worthy had that fucking, he had the glare. You could see he was there to do business. He just wasn't, you know, super fucking hard in the paint. He was still a little bit light about it. But Luis Pena comes out, he's dancing, he could give a fuck less. He's not in the moment about it, man. He was never really there, it seems like. It was it was not it was not pretty to watch. Like he was he was a step behind the entire fight, and in some places where you thought he would have been ahead, like the grappling, Kama yeah. Worthy had his fucking number, and and handily, very handily too. And I'm not mad at Kama Worthy either. That no, not at all. Fantastic performance. Yeah, I was um, very impressed. Absolutely. If I was to be a betting man, I would bet against him, but 
after this, I'm I'm hard pressed to bet for Bruce Pena any at all. Violent Bob Ross has just become rickety Bob Ross. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what's going on with old Bob Ross. He definitely need, he definitely needs to to settle in and figure out because I mean that's that's. How many losses in a row has he gotten? I think that's I think that's the third one in a row. Oh, that's the third loss in a row. That's yeah, at least, so at least the second. You're entering yeah, no, it's... Shooter, get off the pot like as cool of a nickname as you got. Right? Yeah, no, like, I'm you pretty were, sure you that's were thoroughly three. outclassed by the man in the, the the man that you fought, and he was just picking it. He was just picking his spot, picking his spot, waiting. And when he slipped that guillotine in, I thought he, I thought, I still thought Bob Ross could get out of it, but yeah, every, even the commentators were like, okay, so he has to uh, move to get out. Oh, there's the tap. Yeah. Like, even exactly. the commentators were already walking through. Yeah. So, but yeah, Common Worthy, I mean, hats off to him for putting together a good fight and a good camp. Fucking A. He looked fantastic. show what the prep will do for you. Um, as um, uh, somebody we know would say, this is not good for his career if he doesn't get his shit together. At yep. this point, he's squandering an opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's not in this day and age where second chances aren't necessarily a thing anymore. You don't want to squander the chance that you get because yep. you're not promised a second chance if you fuck up the first one nowadays. There's more than enough folks chopping at the bit. They officially got the green light to bring the contender series back in Las Vegas when they get out of Fight Island in August. Like the the yep. meat grinder churns on, man. Like you can't yep. afford to fuck up. And that's, in, that's in anything. It's not just the fight game, it's anything. That meat grinder turns on. Side note, there's a guy that's about 30 minutes from me. He's going to be fighting on the Contender Series on July 24th. Nice. Lives in Appleton, Wisconsin. First um, guy out of uh, Rufus Sports Appleton to end up on the Contender Series. Nice. We might finally have somebody we can actually root for coming out of that fucking show. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's it's still Rufus's facility, but it's not Rufus in Milwaukee, so Right. I'm sure he does get a train with them occasionally, but probably not to the same extent. Not as yeah. much, yeah. We'll see who shows up and whether or not he shows up or not. Right, absolutely. So moving along from there, um the fight that almost was and then wasn't and then was again, as we've seen a couple times now tends to be one of the ones that ends up being a great fucking fight on the night. Um, We were not originally supposed to see Sean Woodson fighting against Julian Arosa. Uh, But thanks to the randomness of crazy fucking life during this weird Backstreet Boy time we are currently in, we ended up with one hell of a fucking barn burner. This was not just one of those, like, last-minute fights. Okay, this will be easy. Let's get him in and out of there. No, 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 no. Uh, Juicy J came to play, and Sean Woodson was not about to give him anything easy on that evening. Uh, these two gentlemen came out and went to fucking war. And it wasn't like two dumbass green-behind-the-ears rookies standing in a phone booth just trying to bang, 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 and win. This was two clearly experienced veterans in the cage who both have, you know kind of established their style 
and they were both being very intelligent, both being very technical, very strategic in their actions, and it was a great back-and-forth fucking war. Those boys just got the fuck after it and kept the action going. But I have to say, um, I think the motivation that Juicy J had of knowing this is quite literally your last chance. Like, if you don't win this, you're getting cut. It, he said in the after fact, or the, the, the post-fight interview, I knew my job was on the line, and if I didn't perform, I wasn't going to get another chance, and that fire lit me up. You can see... He did not ever slow down. Not that, you know, Juicy J's got a problem with that, but we've seen him fade before. We've seen him come out and step on the gas right out the gate and, you know, burn that tank up. He fought very meticulous, very measured. He was very good the back and forth. When they were in the phone booth, he was clean, and he was making sure he was exiting out. When they were dancing, his footwork was looking real nice, and when that fucking Darce slid in, oh, my goodness. Even fucking Sean Woodson said that was one of the tightest fucking chokes I've ever had put on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> props to fucking Juicy J. Uh, absolutely pulled his fucking name out of the oh shit side of the fucking barn of the boss. But, man, uh, you can't really take away from Sean Woodson. Again, one of those matches where I don't really feel the loss works negatively against the guy that lost because he put on a hell of a fucking match and Juicy J just slid that beautiful fucking Darce on him. So I, I think it was a good fucking match for both of them. I think it gave Juicy J the confidence he needed to really get back in there and show people that he can do shit like that still. And it gave Sean Woodson a little bit of experience that just because you've got a last-minute fight doesn't mean it's going to be any kind of fucking simple or anything you should overlook because at any moment, any motherfucker can come out of the shadows and surprise the shit out of you. I, I think they're both going to have some good things coming up for him, though. I think I think we saw enough good come out of Sean Woodson, and we got to see that glimmer back in Juicy J. I think both of them are going to have a good matchup coming out of this. Yeah, and it was like you were saying, it was a nice even. It was a nice even fight. Like it could have gone either way. Like both of them were, both of them were kind of looking at the judges there, like, oh shit, is this going to go? Down? Yep. <laughs> and then opportunity arose. Opportunity arose, and yeah. Good for, I mean, good for uh, Juicy J, Julian Arosa. Good for him, man. Like, he needed this win. He he needed this win way more than Woodson did. Absolutely. Um, I didn't. Th I didn't think that Woodson. I didn't think that he was going to get past Woodson. Um, I was fairly. I was fairly confident in my pick uh, that Woodson would take this. But I mean, I'm not. Un I'm not unhappy. I mean, the result was a fantastic, fantastic fight. So. Fuck yeah. That's talk about coming in on short notice and just fucking doing work. That's thing. Being a, being a pro, being yeah. a fucking pro. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We've seen some who've come in on um, late notice lately and look completely like fucking trash. So. Yeah. And that's I com I completely agree. That's that's actually a very good point to make. Is for what it's worth, there's always a certain tip of the hat you have to give anybody who's willing to take 
a last-minute fight in the UFC because most of the people that get these last-minute fights that we see on cards like this aren't your Juicy Js, aren't the guys who have been here who are just needing a fight. Most of these last-minute pull-togethers are people who have you know, been fighting on the AAA League or fought once in the Contender Series and didn't get the contract. These are guys who are making their UFC debut as a last-minute replacement. It's nice to see one of these last-minute replacements that gets picked, and it's a guy who's had a chance in the UFC, and this was his last-minute last chance, and he took advantage of it and actually fucking shined for a change. Because, like Fresh said, a lot of these last-minute guys that we've seen lately just have been garbage. Like, they weren't ready for it. They got thrown in too early because they were eager to get their UFC shot, and it didn't work out the way they should have. Juicy J stepped in and said... I'm 7-0 in my mom's backyard. I right. One of these guys. Yeah, exactly. And then you get a fucking CM Punk battler, and it's like, ugh. But huh. every once in a while, we get a Juicy J to step in and show you that you know sometimes these last minute dudes can come in and fucking rock again. So yeah. I was I was very happy to see that. So that will move us on. Yeah. Who one of the quickest yeah. fights. Of the fucking evening, and I said it before, and I will say it again, those boys down at Sanford MMA are something to fuck watch out for. Uh, Takashi Sato is one of those monsters that trains with my man Big Swarm down there at Sanford MMA. Uh, they had Usman down there for a while. They've had Burns down there for a while. They've had a bunch of big-name dudes come through. They've got a serious stable. They've had Rumble Johnson in and out of there quite a bit, like... They keep some fucking killers rolling through Sanford, and Takashi Sato has been out there working with these boys day in and day out, and he got in the ring and put on a 48-second shutdown. Just absolutely put fucking work in. We're not playing tonight. I have to go home now. <laughs> yeah. Right? Holy he wasn't shit. He by the hour on that one. Yeah, he was not fucking around he came in, he did work, and he got right the fuck out of there. He is ready to get right back after it. And Division better take fucking notice. That boy's coming in to make a name for himself, and he's got a hell of a start doing it. Yeah, and I was I was honestly surprised that it went the way that it did because Takashi Sato, I mean, he, he's done stuff like this before, but like he can be real hit or miss. But, this, I mean, he certainly hit on this one. Fuck so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, this is a, this was... Putting, putting folks on notice, like, all right, y'all want to play with me. <laughs> right, yeah, let's go ahead. You want to test? A little test. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, Takashi Sato, good good on him. I mean, I, did, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I thought this would be one of his misfights. But, I mean, I was wrong about a lot of people this weekend, which <laughs> seems to be a, a running theme, running theme for me. So, yeah, Takashi Sato was, he just didn't let up. Didn't let up. Poor Jason Witt just didn't know what he really didn't know what hit him yeah you could tell like the second he got clipped with that first big shot it just completely fucking disoriented him and you saw he never just could not get his bearings back until it was too late and he was on his ass and then once he realized it was stopped he was like oh okay (laughs) i'm going down going down guys this is over (laughs) yep no it's funny because i was just watching um who the fuck was it? Uh, Big John McCarthy talking last week on uh, weighing in with Josh Thompson about when he used to referee big fights. One of the most important things as a referee 
when someone gets knocked down because a knockdown can happen in any fight and it doesn't by any stretch of the imagination mean that fight is over. The mm. thing that means a fight is over when a knockdown happens is how their eyes respond to them being knocked down. If you see yeah. someone get knocked down and their first instinct as they're falling is to look at you as a referee, they're generally okay and they just got clipped with one. If you see them looking at their opponent, they might be a little rocked, but they're generally still in it. When you see them staring off into space and not focusing on anything the entire time they're falling, get in there immediately. Those lights are off. They are hitting the ground with no one in control of the vehicle. And when you saw that man falling, he was staring off in the fucking rafters. That shit was over. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's the, the one caveat to that statement there. Yes, I agree with you. If you're looking at the ref, you're good. If you're looking at your opponent, you're still good. You might be hurt, but you're still with it. Either way, looking at either one of those two. Right. However, looking off in the space while you fall, that can also be caused by a flash knockout as well. Where by the time you hit the mat, you're back awake and looking. So you kind of got to give them like that extra half second right, when right. they hit the ground to make sure. And he did. Yeah, the ref yeah I, I was going to say, yeah, and he, he actually gave him that. He gave him that moment. When he hit the ground, he gave him the chance to respond and, and you know, like you said, come to when he hit. But <laughs> that ride was over. <laughs> oh, yeah, he wasn't going anywhere. He was fucking <laughs> sleeping. That was it. Yeah, no, fucking mad props to Takashi, man. That dude, he's got a fucking tank of a goddamn hand and if if he starts landing on some bigger name dudes in this division, you better watch the fuck out because that dude is strong as shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> that, though, will bring us into the most decorative fight of the evening, I think we'll call it. Um, <laughs> decorative in the sense that it decorated the octagon more than any other fight of this entire card. It was quite literally a blood sprinkler for a good portion of the 15 minutes of this fucking battle's duration. Um, Brandon Allen versus Kyle Dawkins. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will say this. It was not a one-sided battle. It was clearly Brandon Allen's fight. He absolutely was in control more than he wasn't definitely did more damage landed more significant strikes he didn't it wasn't a one-sided thing it was definitely he earned the battle but i think the biggest takeaway from that fight was that throughout all the blood and there was a lot of blood throughout all the back and forth the stand-up the ground game the literal war that those two gentlemen went through one of the judges at the end of it gave that fight to Brandon Allen 30-27. Mm -hmm. Like, Were it was 20... Yeah, it was 29-28 on both the other judges' cards, to their credit. They saw that it was a close battle. Allen won it, mm -hmm. but it was a close battle. But 30-27, there's no fucking way and i like brandon allen i think he put on a hell of a fucking show and just bled kyle Dawkins across the fucking ring for 15 fucking minutes but this just goes to show that at no point can we 
either as fans or as the UFC themselves, get complacent in the fact that we've had some decent judging after some big controversies recently. Because even on a relatively smaller card like this, we had some asshole call a 30-27 in a fight that fucking close. Yeah. And this one, so like the thing I took away from this was, was Brendan Allen's fucking elbows. Oh my god. Jesus. Like he was just he was just slicing him like like those things with fucking razor blades. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was Curtis Blades esque fucking Ginsu yeah. work, man. Yeah, it was it was it was nasty. It was nasty. But yeah, it was a it was a fantastic fight and I was I was sad to see it end. <laughs> but little did I know what the evening had in store for me. <laughs> so yeah, it was a that was a fantastic fight. Fantastic fight. Um yeah, I mean Brendan Allen clearly, clearly won, clearly won that fight. There was no, I don't think there was any ifs ands or buts. But yeah, I a thirty twenty seven. There is no, there is no way that was a thirty twenty seven fight. Yeah, look, that falls under that. Don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Shit. We always oh, say it. Judges make some strange fucking calls. Like you wonder, are they even? making tick marks or anything for how the striking's going are they looking what's on the ground are they looking who's more i mean i mean to be fair the dude might have seen something that we didn't the brennan Brennan allen was completely dominant but in the last year the amount of crazy fucked up fight calls we've seen true i i I have a hard time giving them benefit of doubt other than the fact that they're in vegas and we haven't seen too many of those fuck ups in vegas We've seen them in Texas, New York, but not as many as in their, their... Virginia. Yeah, it, I'm just saying, it, there's a chance that a he did see something that we didn't, or thought something that we didn't. Yeah. But b I still think he's fucked up when two out of three judges scored the exact same way, and you're off by a whole fucking round. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I can't even say that. Well, even that's like fucking calling one of the rounds a fucking 10 8 round between those two. None of those were, but it would have been this along the same lines in my dream. So I, I think he was just a little fucked up. That's it. I agree. I agree. Uh, luckily, it wasn't enough to fuck up the fight and it wasn't enough to fuck up the evening. But it's just one of those things that I think is worth mentioning that. Despite how good we've had it, and I completely agree, Vegas has been much better than Texas was, than Florida was, than Virginia was, than fucking South Carolina was. Like, Texas has been, for the most part, fairly consistently good on the judging. But that's why I make a point to mention shit like this, because we can't get complacent, especially as fans. We are the vocal majority to hold these motherfuckers accountable. UFC fighters complain about every result. It's when fans like us get mad and get vocal about clear bad calls like that that things actually start to make their echoes up the chain. So Mm -hmm. when shit like that goes awry, those are the kind of things I like to make a point to bring to you people. So that will bring us into the holy shit not how I thought this was going to go fight of the evening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, I don't think any of us ever thought this one was going to be pretty or super technical or a take it to the judges, you know, full, grind it out, hope you outpoint situation. 
But I don't think any of us thought it was going to be as weird as it was either. Um, Gian Vellante has been spending the majority of his time in his opportunity, wink, wink, uh, at light heavyweight fighting around 205 because that's generally what he walks around at is 215-ish naturally. So it's not a big cut and he's fighting dudes relatively his size. Uh, but it wasn't exactly going the best, so he thought he would give a step up and, and step into the heavyweight division where he could eat a little bit better, didn't have to cut anything, and would be fighting guys who are actually his size because they're not generally cutting too much in the heavyweight department either. They're generally big dudes that walk around as big dudes. And it did not quite go the way I think anyone really anticipated it. Um, I think this is another one of those situations where Green came in there just fucking gun-shy. He just didn't really want to be first. He was almost trying to feint Gian Vellante into going so that he could counter, but Gian Vellante was not biting. When he threw, he fucking threw, and he wasn't throwing because you threw a feint at him. He's throwing because fuck you. <laughs> and <laughs> it, I'll say this. Maurice Green has a fucking chin. Because John Vellante fucking tested it. He clipped him super fucking clean with some big fucking shots and dropped him at one point. He fucking dropped Maurice Green. The problem is, Maurice Green is a badass black belt. He's not necessarily a striker. It's ironic because he's such a big fucking dude. And you would think a dude that big put your weight into it, throw your hand forward, you've got striking. Not always. Not always. Just because they're monsters doesn't mean everybody that big's a, a fucking Francis Ngannou. Green is not terrible, but he's not the greatest striker. He is kind of great when it comes to jiu-jitsu, though. And he managed to get a fucking arm-in triangle from the bottom on Gian Volante so smoothly that it confused the commentators as to what the fuck he actually just put on to get Gian Vellante to tap. I don't think this was a great performance for either one of them, but it was an entertaining fight. Start to finish, mm -hmm. I will give it that. <laughs> yeah, Gian Vellante, he caught him early. Yes, like he, he caught did. it hard early. And from that point forward, like Maurice Green was just dancing and getting the fuck out of the way as best he could. Because every time every time Gian Vellante was able to close, he was just leveling shots on him. And I mean, aside from the dancing and the running, it didn't look like he had it didn't look like Maurice Green had anything to figure it out. Like he didn't have anything like any any answer for it. Except for like those those bizarre ass thrust kicks that he was throwing. But I mean, it was certainly an entertaining fight, like watching watching uh, Murray Green get hunted down and take a couple shots, and then he'd throw a couple and get out. And then I'm not, like, Gian Vellante looked so fucking exhausted. The whole time. When he, the, when he got caught, when he got caught, he I, I don't know that he got caught. No. I, I think he might have just used the excuse to be like, fuck, dude, I'm out of this Yeah, fight. that might have been his I'm done moment. Like, yeah, he yeah. really did look exhausted the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, and especially especially right there at the end. Like he was he was barely keeping his hands up and when he was working on the ground he he just looked he looked 
tired. Looked so tired. And then, like, the arm and triangle went in, and I was like, he didn't really even have it. Like, he didn't yeah. really have that thing locked in. Like, it just looked... It lo I was kind of with the commentators, like, like wh where did he slip it? Where did he slip the whole thing in? Like, I don't see where this whole... Where the whole arm and triangle got, got slipped in. Yeah. And, uh... I mean, that's not a pleasant hole to get caught in, but... No. The version that he was in didn't didn't look that bad. Yeah, so, no, they, they initially I, thought I think, it was I an Ezekiel. He, yeah. And, and well, to their credit, they also, it had... They were, also they were also talking that he had him over the, he had him over the top and he had gotten his fist in. Yeah, he had, he had reached and, back around I mean, his arm. Yeah, that'll certainly, that'll certainly do the trick, too. But, like, the when they were showing it up close, I was like, it didn't look that bad. And I think he was... I think, I think Gian Vellante was just just tired at that point. May have may have enjoyed himself a little bit too much coming into that fight. So that's my thought. But yeah, I mean Maurice Green was running, 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 and then came out of nowhere and slipped one in. Oh. I guess there are two fights that I'm kind of pissed off about. This being one of them. <laughs> Not because the fight went how I thought it was going went a different way than what I thought it was gonna go. The fight went exactly as I expected. Not all that thrilling, but not boring. Right. What pisses me off here is, in my own personal opinion, John Vellante was being a gigantic fucking cop-out pussy. He had sand in his vagina because he was tired. That's what caused him to tap to an arm triangle from the fucking bottom. You can't get enough pressure to put somebody to sleep in that unless you are fucking fresh, for one, and you still have the arm strength. After 15 minutes, or almost, okay. Let me rephrase that. 13 minutes and some change yeah. <laughs> of doing this and not really sitting on the ground very much during that time. I don't give a fuck who you are, especially a heavyweight. Your arm strength ain't gonna be enough right there. Your muscles are gassed at that point. John Vellante was being a fucking pussy. My hat's off to Maurice Green for even thinking to try that shit. Right. Yeah, that was unconventional as fuck the way that he yeah, put like, it on. Yeah. And I was, I may or may not have allegedly started yelling at a TV in front of about, oh, 10 or 15 people. <laughs> yelling at Vlante to stop being a pussy and saying, why is Maurice Green going for a fucking arm triangle from the bottom like a jackass when he could be trying to get up? I may or may not have been yelling, allegedly. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that pissed me off. That was one of the things that pissed me off the most about the night of fights right there. Just, look, anybody who's trained any amount of jujitsu. You know blood chokes. You know certain things work from certain positions. Arm triangles do not are arm triangles, head and arm chokes. Uh, it, 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 that they don't work from the bottom. Ezekiel works from the bottom, but you also have to have ten fucking foot long fucking arms. Yeah, you got to be able to wrap to solid. Work. Yeah, and generally, an Ezekiel only works with the exception of a few people, if you have a gi, so you can grab your own gi. But, you know, my hat's off to him for even thinking that, because 
to be honest, he looked like shit the rest of the fight, as did Devante. <laughs> but when you put two people that look like shit together, you're bound to get some sort of fireworks or not. But in this case, um, I won't say fireworks, but Bruce Green won, but albeit not very impressively. And all that did was made me lose a whole lot of respect for Volante. And to be honest, I hope they give him his fucking walking papers for tapping from that from the top. I agree. Uh, I I was not impressed with Maurice Green. Not that there was anything throughout the whole fight to be very impressed with, but the the submission itself was not really a commendable type of thing. Uh, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they both got walking papers when this is all said and done. Um, and you can't give a guy who got the win via submission walking papers. He still has to get another shot at it, albeit not a great performance. I still think he gets another shot because he did get the W, and it wasn't just a decision W. It was a finish. Norm- normally, I would agree with that, but you would also normally think that you wouldn't cut a veteran on Veterans Day weekend while they're out doing promotion for your company, but that's the kind of thing that the UFC does too. So, However, they do do it when they take a loss. Yeah, yeah, that's true. As much as I hate to play devil's advocate on that one, they yeah. did just come off of a loss. That's true. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that shakes loose because the, the nice thing about that is that that fight doesn't really impact that division overall one way or the other. So it's the next fight. Yeah, no. Both both of these fights were just kind of like fights for the sake of fights. They really didn't have any divisional significance, any company-wide impact. Um, I will say this about the co-main events. Um, it did not, for what it turned out being, it did not turn into what I thought it was going to be. Um, I had a feeling it was going to be more of a ground battle than it was between Perry competing, uh, against Al Iaquinta in submission underground and knowing that Mickey Gall is a jujitsu guy Uh, I kind of anticipated this fight spending the majority of the time on the ground. I did not think Mickey Gall was going to be dumb enough to stay on the feet and try and play the boxing game with Aluminum Mike. Because for all the things he is not, Mike Perry is still a decent boxer. And he does have a very, very strong one-shot punch. If you're dumb enough to stand in front of him... He's going to hit you with it, and he's going to hit you with it as long as you stand in front of him. So if you stay there, you're going to eat a lot of those. If you're not a boxing guy, you shouldn't try and stand in front of a guy who is. I think for for what he's capable of, I think Mickey Gall could have done a lot more here. But credit where credit is due aluminum mike got himself a w with his girlfriend putting an ice bag on his fucking neck can i can i be the first one to say that this was an absolute fucking dumpster fire it absolutely was this this is why (laughs) hey i don't like either one of these motherfuckers so i'm gonna be very blunt and honest however to try to be unbiased as possible mickey gall fought exactly like how I thought he would fight, like shit, because he has no credibility whatsoever in the UFC. Only credible name win is a guy who never fucking fought MMA before. Mike Perry, on the other hand, 
absolute trash of a fucking human being. Did what he needed to do in order to win. How he couldn't put away Mickey Gall, I have no earthly fucking idea. I don't want to say... Normally, I wouldn't want to say anything nice about Mike Perry, but in this case, he fucking outclasses Mickey Gall in every aspect of the sport. I'll say it. There you go. That's the nicest thing you'll ever hear about me say about Mike Perry ever. Fuck that guy otherwise. Yeah. Then his post-fight presser and the people he's calling out afterwards. Oh, dude. Oh, that hurt. This is the worst possible... What the fuck? Uh, And All right. Let let me back up a little bit. I'm going to rewind this just a little bit. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, he said, yeah, fuck the corners. We don't need corners in this because they're not going to help me anyways. Okay, then why the fuck are you even training? You shouldn't need to train in order to be able to do this anyways then, right? By that logic. Now, going on after that, he also started to call people out. Um, I don't know. Do you guys know a guy by the name of um, Nate Diaz by chance? Never heard of her. But anyhow, he calls some guy out by the name of Nate Diaz who probably has more street credit than Mike Perry's ever thought about having in his fucking little eyebrow tattoo. Someone who we've seen fuck people up that are of a way higher caliber than fucking Mike Perry is. Obviously, because he fought such a low-level guy and couldn't put him away, he deserves to call out somebody who's a money fight? Get fucked, you lousy piece of shit. Take the money that you just won... That was not a performance of the night bonus because you're fucking trash. Yeah. And go use it to get that fucking tattoo above your eyebrow removed so that way when your opportunity or career, we'll call it, <laughs> falls through, you can get a real fucking job instead of working at a gas station. Alright. Uh, I'm done with them. Fuck them. Terrible <laughs> fight. Fuck them both. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to talk about the fight at all <clears throat> because I don't think there was anything all that noteworthy in that particular fight. Uh, I, I planned the entire episode. I was, I was just going to talk about how much I fucking laugh at Mike Perry's presser. Like, I, like, dude, you don't deserve, you don't deserve shots that you're calling. I mean, you might get an answer from the dude you called out because that dude doesn't back down from anybody. So you might get an answer, but... Like, the dude lost his shit. He lost his shit. He's like, he's like, ain't no one supporting me. Ain't no one, like, I need to find me a camp. Who's going to take me in? Like, dude, you're like a homeless fucking fighter. Yeah, and then but, he started talking about the IRS. Yeah, how he's going to have to take half the money he made tonight and go see the tax man because he apparently yeah, didn't pay taxes. taxes at all in 2019. And he's yeah. admitting it on national fucking television. Yeah. Like, like I, I just, like... I'm sitting. I'm sitting there like, all right, Mike Perry's going to talk. Like normally, this doesn't go all that well. And yeah, like, you, you he knew. opened his mouth and just started just started shitting out of his mouth, and I just, I, I couldn't help but laugh at it. Like I thought, I thought it was one of the, I, it was one of the more entertaining moments of the evening was watching Mike Perry try and call someone out, trying to call the fucking IRS out. Yeah, and then and, yelling at Dana because kinda, Dana wasn't taking enough taxes out of his paychecks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, dude, you feel that? Like, dude, you, like, dude, you, like, you dude, do that. If you're, if you're anything like me, 
you're the one who fills out how much you need to take out of the fucking taxes. Yeah. Like I always like I always plan for them to take extra, Mike Perry. Yeah, it's easier like, that sorry, way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're how old is Mike Perry? Like thirty? He's thirty. Yeah, thirty-four. Dude, I think. Thirty-four. I'm sorry. It took you to thirty-four to figure out that you need to have something. You need to fill out the tax form to take out the extra taxes. Like I, maybe you weren't earning enough before, but yeah, I I just I just cackled. Yeah, I it just was fucking cackled. Like like I'm pretty sure my roommate came out like. What happened? <laughs> I was watching the fights on the couch, just laughing at Mike Perry's presser. Like it was fucking. I thought it. I thought it was fucking hilarious. But. Was it weird to either one of you guys speaking with the presser that he got so much time on the mic versus every other well, fighter? Like on the he would have punched. Like who, whoever was holding the mic, he would have or he would have punched him if they tried to walk away. When, yeah, when I was going to mention of, that when he was in the middle of raging. <laughs> they they actually talked about that after the fact. Every other fighter that came in had 90 seconds, a minute and a half. That's it. And they knew from the moment the light comes on, whether you've got that headset on and you're listening or you're fumbling with the fucking cord for half your time, when that light comes on, you have 90 seconds to say what you're going to say and respond to the questions you get asked. And when that light goes off, take the fucking headset off and go because they're cutting back to the feet of the octagon. Your time is done. And then Mike Perry came up there. Mike Perry had four and a half minutes on the microphone, uninterrupted, to vomit words. I'm I'm pretty sure that was Dana. Like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Somebody had to okay that. That's all run through a truck. Yeah. That's all cleared by Dana. Someone let Mike Perry diarrhea on the microphone for four and a half minutes. When some yeah. actual legitimate great wins earlier got their 90 seconds and got cut and had to go. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was impressive. That, 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 was, that was one of the highlights of the evening to me. I, I agree. It, I thought it was fucking hilarious. The presser was better than the fight, I will say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike Perry was delusional after that fight. Like, maybe Mickey Gall caught him better than I thought. No. Right? Something. No, no. he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> He knows that's, just, that's just how Mike Perry is. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Nick Devine loves him so much. What it was? Shit. His girlfriend didn't have the ice on top of his fucking head to stop the swelling. To cool down the brain overheating. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. That that could be for sure. Could she reach that high? When uh, he's on a stool. No. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. It's just a terrible idea. It, well, the good part about. One of the persons he called out because they'll fucking destroy him. Right. No. Uh, the good part about Mike Perry doing the absolute fucking dumpster fire of a presser that he did is that, well, you know, when Mike Perry is talking in a post fight, that means that is leading us inevitably directly into one of the better fights we have gotten to see in 2020. Now, unlike certain quote-unquote famous MMA journalists, I am not going to be so ridiculously bold as to say the best fight in 2020, hands down. Nope. I'm not going to say it's the best fight we saw in June. Nope. I will say it was one of the best fights we've seen of the year. Absolutely, it's in the list. But we're not going to get fucking crazy because we like to try and be a little more realistic here, even if the quote-unquote pros can't seem to do that themselves. Um... Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker was one hell 
of a fucking battle. To their credit, both men showed up ready to fucking win. The difference, I think, is that one man showed up knowing how to win, and the other one showed up just wanting to win. And when you're talking about guys this high level in the game, that's not enough. Want won't carry you over the finish line at this point. When you're a rookie and you're on the contender series, want might get you to the ticker tape, but it's not going to work when you're talking the top of the fucking stack. And to his credit, Dan Hooker landed some fucking beautiful shots and took some fucking serious damage throughout this fucking fight. But again, kind of like we talked about earlier, if you're not a legitimate world-class boxer, you shouldn't stand and try to exchange with a world-class boxer. Because Dustin Poirier is a world-class boxer. Dan Hooker is not. Dan Hooker has some good striking. He definitely has some great kickboxing striking, some good MMA striking overall, but he's not on Dustin Poirier's level when it comes to straight-up boxing, and it definitely showed in the face of the two of them at the end of the night. Dustin pieced Dan's face the fuck up all night long. Every time he had an opening, every time he had a counter, every time they would clinch coming off the break, Dustin was landing something He just got outworked. In the end of the day, I think, like we kind of said, Dan Hooker came into this fight overlooking Dustin Poirier. And it's never a good idea to overlook an opponent when you're coming into a fight week. It's definitely not a good idea to overlook an opponent when you're in the top three of a division. Dustin Poirier realistically is in the top three of the fucking lightweight division. And Dan Hooker came in treating him like he was a fucking gatekeeper. And that was a stupid idea. And it showed at the end of the night because he got fucking worked for his ignorance. I don't think this is going to drop Dan Hooker back down to the bottom of the fucking list by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that Dan Hooker came out of this and then immediately turned around and called out Tony Ferguson seems a bit fucking ballsy for the situation because I don't know if anybody has let Dan Hooker know this but traditionally how it works in the MMA world when you lose you don't get to make a fucking call out the guy who wins a fight he makes a call out you can suggest a fight but you don't get to make call outs on a loss that's not how this fucking goes Dan Hooker very evidently lost to Dustin Poirier, and then aggressively and kind of shittily called out Tony Ferguson immediately afterwards. And I think that's a little bit weird. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination this puts Dustin back in line to fight Khabib again now that Connor's quote-unquote retired, but I don't think this leaves Dan in a position that he can call out Tony and try and keep himself in the top that easily either. Yeah. Um, I thought... You want to go? Have okay. I thought this. I thought this was one of the best fights of the year for about three rounds. Yeah. Best. Um, I'll say this: best second round of a fight we have seen in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Best that second, second round, round yeah. was a fuck. It's when everything hit the fucking peak for me. Yeah. And then you started seeing what championship rounds are about. Like the dude who's been there, 
pieced up the pieced up the dude who's trying to work his way up in there. Like he. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> what was that? Take that? Okay, something started playing on my phone. <laughs> That's all right. Um, cause yeah, it was a, it was a. I mean, it was a, it was a great fight overall. Overall, it was a fantastic fight. But the second I saw Dan Hooker start start trying to work takedowns, I was like, oh, Poirier's got him. Like Poirier's got him. Like you're gonna get a you you you're gonna get a takedown here, and you're gonna and he did he started landing takedowns and I was like okay, you managed to steal that round out from underneath Dustin Poirier but he's got your number now. Yeah, now like, he knows where you're gonna go. He knows how you're gonna get yeah. there. Because this is all you've got left, and like I give Dan Hooker all the credit in the world, especially especially that last round because he couldn't even get his fucking arms up. Like he was so yeah. tired he couldn't even get his arms up, but he, he was still kept sure. trying. He still kept trying everything that he could. And you saw it after the fight. Like, he just collapsed on the mat and, like, had to crawl and then had yeah, to Yeah, lit literally, they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't stand him up at the end of the fucking fight. <laughs> yeah. He gave everything he had. Everything he had. And him, call him calling out Tony Ferguson, it doesn't surprise me. That's just the way fucking Dan Hooker is. Like, he's, like, he was talking shit on Paul Felder before the fight. And he was talking <laughs> shit after the fight with Paul Felder. And he, he just talked shit. That's just the way Dan Hooker is. It was a, it was it was like I said, it was it was probably it was up up through I'll say up through three. It would have been best fight of the year, but then people kept talking, and I was just watching those last couple rounds. Like Dan Hooker's done. Dan Hooker's done. He's like if he doesn't get knocked out, he doesn't get tapped out. It's the decision is going to Poirier because he's getting he's just getting just completely lit up. Yeah. In every way possible, um, and the, I mean the best fight. The best fight in June was uh, Shane Burgos versus Josh Emmett. I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Fuck yes, it that was. was the, <laughs> that was the best fight. That was. That was. That was a battle. I, people, that I, I saw. I saw a survey on Twitter, and they're saying, they're, and people are saying Poyer, Poyer versus Hooker versus Emmett and Burgos, and and everybody was saying Poyer versus, versus, versus Hooker, and I'm like. Did we watch the same fights? Yeah, no, I I can't. I, can't I, I don't understand, because Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos, it was three rounds of complete war. Yeah, like there was there was no stop. One dude's fighting with a completely torn ACL, with a still blown ACL, leg yeah, kicks with it, and just still taking leg kicks, and just two dudes just absolutely going to war, versus two and a half, three rounds of. of excellent fighting and then two rounds of well i know where this is going yeah like we see the fucking writing on the wall right out of the gate i agree yeah so that's my thoughts on that but i mean good on i'm good on good on the old diamond dustin for you good on him he ne he needed that win he needed to come back win like that um turned out to be a hell of a fight dan hooker doesn't put on boring fights either he's not a dude who puts on boring fights no, he so. generally doesn't He's a, he's what he if he gets Ferguson good because that'll be entertaining as fuck. So that's what I got. That's what I got on that one. I'll say this: from the first two rounds I watched, I thought Hooker had the fight from the first two rounds. Because uh, personally, I thought Hooker won one and two. I'll agree. Beat two by a slim margin. <clears throat> I thought he had one too. When that round three hit, though, it, it, 
those tables started turning real quick. And I was like, all right, Dustin's back in the fight. Let's see what happens in round four. And we just saw this progressive tail off once she got into those championship rounds. Dan Hooker looked like he hadn't been there before. Like he didn't know what to do. Yep. Yeah. Which was kind of funny considering fight he just had with Felder. That's what I was going to say. Considering what he came out of, it was weird to see him tail off so fucking hard. And he did. When the, I'd say yeah. middle of three at the latest, which you saw that fucking energy just start to nosedive on him, man. It makes me wonder a little bit. How much damage did he actually take during that Felder fight? Did that, that wasn't that long ago. Returns? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, how how bad did Felder? Fight? Yeah, how bad did Felder really fucking hurt him that he couldn't recover well, enough? Yeah, let's see. That was that was what September of last year. October. October, I think. Was it that long ago? I didn't think it was that long ago. Let me look. I'll tell you guys in a minute. But either way. He tailed off in those final rounds, which is kind of what blew me away. Oh, no, it was in February. Excuse me. So it was five months ago, so it wasn't that long ago. But I feel maybe it's because of this whole um, Backstreet Boys reunion tour thing. This this is why we're switching to fucking season three, because I'm telling you, it already feels like this part of 2020 has been three years long. Yeah, it feels like it was a lot longer ago that those two fought. Yeah. Probably why I'm starting to see some stuff. I know this is on a side note, but where it looks like Felder is toying with that idea of not retiring. Yep. Um, which I'm all for, but you know, mm-hmm. this just, in my opinion, this just showed that there is there's levels to the game, and boy, he's on a different level. Although Dan Hooker is still technically really young in his career. He is. We he absolutely really is. We didn't see him explode onto the scene until about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's when things started to take off. And he was fighting undercard fights like two years ago. You got to remember well, that. The other half of that as well is that two years ago, he was fighting at 45. Yeah. He Dan Hooker started his career at 145 pounds and is now actively competing with top five guys in the 155-pound division. So, like, so there's that to be said as well. I have nothing bad to say about Hooker on this except for why the fuck did you not try to take Boyer down? Because you know what? When you realized you were getting beat up on your feet that bad, especially getting into the fourth round, there should have been that, oh, shit, I need an emergency takedown. Right. Or And don't get me wrong, we saw a couple of takedowns, but not the amount that he should have been trying. No. At least yeah. in my eyes. However, you know. Should have should have happened earlier in the fight. I agree. I agree. I mean, He's, he seemed way too one-dimensional for way too long. Yeah. Yeah, which was really crazy for a guy that, in my opinion, he deserves to be in that top five class right now. He really does. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, Dan Hooker's nothing. Like, he's put on great, great, great fights. Like, the, And he's been very, very good. But the other side of that is the reason he couldn't get any of that shit that we've seen him do that looked so good off was because Dustin Poirier shut him the fuck down at every turn. Everything he tried to do, Dustin shut him down. He tried to move. Dustin was cutting off the octagon on him. He tried to take him down. Dustin's takedown defense wouldn't let him fucking get there. If he did get there, Dustin's right the fuck back up on his feet and piecing him up again. Yep. Well, and what I'm wondering here is, 
after that, how long before Poirier gets another shot at the title? Because to be honest, I don't think there's another person in the division that should be ranked above him right now, not after the way he fought this fight. He See, should be sitting in that number one contender spot. That's exactly why I have a problem with Dan calling out Tony. Because realistically speaking, Tony was fighting for the interim. So Tony should, worst case scenario, be ranked number three right now. Behind the champion and the number one contender. Or number two, I guess it would be. The champion and then the number one contender being Gaethje because he's the interim right now. Number two should be Tony. Which is funny that Gaethje has that honor for this reason. Gaethje lost to Poirier. Yeah. Yeah. Lost badly to Poirier. So... I'm saying, I, I think that Poirier gets the winner of whoever fucking wins the Khabib unification fight. It, it, that's my own personal opinion. And then, to be honest, it, I would be all right with Hooker fighting Ferguson because of that fact. Well, see, and Chael actually talked about this yesterday. The problem with that is that Gaethje and Khabib aren't fighting until September. So you've got from now until September, that means Dustin's sitting on the fucking sidelines till September. Then the fight in September, assuming it goes quickly, it's bad for either one of them. I'm not even going to fucking pick one. Whoever it is goes badly. It's over quickly. No damage. Quick turnaround. You still need another nine weeks-ish for a full camp, for another championship fight, even on a quick turnaround. That puts us into December. That's got to be a pay-per-view card. This can't be... You can't defend that belt on a fight night. So it's got to be the pay-per-view either in December or now at this point into January because all of the pay-per-views up until December are already booked and announced. Uh, Let's look at it this way. It's July already. So let's say it goes into January. Six months off for a guy at Poirier's level. Not a big deal. But that's what I'm saying. That's best-case scenario. If it's a war, if it's a Gaethje-Khabib war, they're out for six months just on recovery. We're not looking at this fight until next July. Now we're talking Dustin sitting on the sideline for a year. Well, at that point, do they have to put an interim out there again because it's sitting that long? Well, that would only be six months for them, though, because it would have been later in the year when they fought to get those injuries. That's that's what I'm saying. That's a six-month head start on the sidelines for Dustin as of right now, unless... Unless he gets Tony. Here's, here's where my problem with all of this is. Okay, let's say, for example, yes, they have that fucking amazing war. They sit six months. Poirier just knocked off a surging, fucking raging Dan Hooker. Because he's been surging hard. His yep. stock has been way up. He's already beaten the brakes off of Gaethje. He just beat up Ferguson. Or no, Ferguson just got beat up by fucking... Gaethje. By Gaethje, yeah. Why would Poirier have to fight fucking Ferguson after he just got put out by Gaethje, who Poirier has put away? There's no reason for that fight to happen, in my opinion. Well, with the exception of the fact that when Gaethje fought Ferguson, it was for the interim belt, which Dustin has already lost as well. That puts him on level playing field there. The way he performed on that versus the way that Ferguson got taken care of and how Poirier put away Gaethje so effortlessly, I still think he's next in line. Like, he's sitting in that number one contender spot in my eyes, albeit 
the UFC fucking ranking makers who don't know their right. asses from a fucking hole in the ground. Yeah, especially obviously. lately. But, you know, uh, to be honest, that top five spot, that's that's a fucked up area right now. I, yeah. 155, namely because can't fight during Ramadan, I can't do this, I can't get out of the country. Or I'm retired. I didn't need to. And that's the, that's another thing. Like, if, if it moves into July next year, then you're looking at Khabib again, sitting out another month. Exactly. Yeah, and it'll have to be until September because that'll fall during Ramadan, I can't do it. Exactly, no. that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, I mean, he's not, he's not eating <laughs> during Ramadan. Right, so. yeah. No, it's, it, that's uh, what I'm saying. It's a, whole, it's a whole well, weird situation. Yeah, you can't eat during the day. No, it's it's a whole weird situation, and then the longer it gets postponed like that, the weirder it gets because the longer it falls in, or the more it falls, it falls into more weird shit that just keeps perpetuating this fuck offness. Look, yep. I'm in, I think my biggest issue is I don't perceive them having a gigantic war because fucking Gaethje is, or excuse me, Khabib is not going to try to stand in box with Gaethje. No, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna want it. Yeah, he's gonna want to get it to the ground. Gate, and I'll say this right now: the more that I thought about where I thought at one point Ferguson had the best shot, no, I think Gaethje really does because he has world class wrestling. We don't see him use it much because he knocks the fucking brakes off of people. But um, I don't know if anybody's seen that little USA wrestling tattoo. Those guys don't get that because they're shit wrestlers. Yeah, Those are all fucking elite fucking wrestlers. Now, they might not be on the same level as the Dagestani wrestle fuck, but I guarantee you damn good and well, he's going to defend a hell of a lot more takedowns than most other fighters have. Right. Because there hasn't been a wrestler of that caliber to fight to be. Well, the, so. one, the one that he did that was close to that caliber took it on short notice and stuffed almost every takedown attempt Khabib threw at him. Yep. Al is what? not. I love Al, but Al was not a fucking USA wrestling fucking tattoo rocker, and he gave Khabib a run for his money every time Khabib tried to fucking wrestle him. And as much as I like Al, I think Gaethje has got leaps and bounds better wrestling. Oh, good God, yeah. I, it's just that top of the division right now is so fucked because of every the champion. Yes, Khabib decided to leave the U.S. Basically, because he decided to run out of the fucking U.S. at the worst opportune time. Yeah. Once that happened, that threw the whole 155-pound division into a kerfuffle at the fucking top. It's just a hot fucking mess. Yep. And it's not going to get better anytime soon. (sighs) It's fucking weird. Anyway, great fight. Yeah, great great fight overall. Fantastic fucking fight. That being said... um, Bonuses for the evening. Uh, obviously, fight of the night. Poirier fucking hooker. That it it was a great fucking fight. It absolutely deserves fight of the night. On this card, fucking a great fight. Um, bonuses. It's not often you see bonuses given out and you just go, ah, oh, okay. Julian Arosa, Juicy J for that fucking out of nowhere performance. And Kay Hansen for that fucking out of nowhere armbar from hell. Agreeable. Not Agreed. bad decisions all the way across the board for a change. No, that's actually good, solid choices. Give it to the guy who came in on short notice and right? a fantastic fucking armbar. And a hell of a fucking submission, yeah. 
I would have been so fucking pissed if they would have gave that to Green. I was afraid they were going to. I was legitimately afraid they were going to. And I was like, don't. Just because he got the technical stoppage, don't. Don't. Fucking don't. And they didn't. Yeah, because it was not as pretty of a submission as that fucking That gal put in fucking work. She did a hell of a goddamn job on that. She earned that bonus. Now, this point, though, the weird part comes in with the medical suspensions for this. Um, For the most part, and I say that very loosely... The Vegas medical suspensions haven't bad, haven't been too terribly bad. For the most part, the the Nevada Athletic, Nevada State Athletic Commission words uh, haven't been too terrible on these suspensions because they understand how this works with having so much UFC there. Much better than we saw, for instance, the Florida fucking medical suspensions, which were a bad fucking joke. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Just four different categories here for our medical suspensions. Uh, the first one, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, Sean Woodson, Mickey Gall, and Mike Perry. All suspended until July 28th. Not bad. Not bad at all. Mickey Gall probably needed longer. I, I yeah. agree. I, that's what I thought as well. Um, maybe a little bit longer for him, but you know, it's, it's also with Luis Pena who got choked Can the fuck out. Suspension out of him? Right, right. But overall, understandable. A little less than a month. Understandable. The next one here, Maurice Green, Julian Arosa, uh, Mr. Witt, and then Kay Hansen, all suspended until August 12th. Understandable. Understandable. Uh, Kyle Dawkus, Felipe Lenz, Dustin Poirier, and Dan Hooker, all medically suspended until... August 27th, the end of next month. Again. Kyle Dawkins needed longer. Yeah, well, and same with fucking Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's face is sliced the fuck up. He had a couple of deep lacerations around his eyes that are going to take a couple weeks to heal. needed it, too. And and he had that that orbital fracture on the inside of the eye there. Yeah, both of those guys in that fight took a lot of damage. Yeah, they took some battle. Hooker took more, but they both needed longer in my own personal opinion. Both probably should have caught a 90. Right. Well, and then here we come to the, the real interesting part. Uh, the fourth tier, I guess it would be, uh, of the medical suspensions. Kama Worthy, Gian Vellante, and Brandon Allen are all three suspended until December 25th and require a doctor's clearance on top of that. I thought Kama Worthy, I thought Kama Worthy was December or get cleared by a doctor. And I double checked and all three cleared. of them, mm-hmm. and get cleared that's by a medical little, doctor. That seems the, a little harsh for Kama because he didn't. Right, he came out clean as a fucking whistle. He didn't hardly have a mark. He had yeah, one little that, cut on the side of his cheek. That, but they said there was an orbital fracture or something. They, or? Yeah, they said there was an orbital fracture, and they said that the laceration had to be verified by a doctor as well. Hmm. Okay. I, I have a feeling that's going to be one of those that they're going to get another UFC doctor to overturn later on. But yeah. I was like, for the most part, when we've had such good medical clearances, how do we take Kama Worthy, who won the fight and came out with just a little nick, and put him on the December 25th and a doctor's clearance list when the guy that he choked out is only suspended until fucking uh, July 28th? He won. He won and choked a dude out. And that dude he choked out is eligible to fight in three weeks. 
I'm wondering how bad his orbital fracture was if they're saying it had to do with the orbital fracture. That's that's kind of what I'm wondering. If it's weird. bad enough and it requires like a surgery or something. That's that's what but I'm wondering. Maybe it was like look deep. fucking terrible. No, not at all, dude. And not to be at honest, all. Where his cut was in the swelling, that looked more like a zygomatic arch fracture than a fucking than an orbital. Yeah. Orbital. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But it's like. Just when we think we've almost got a normal card, here's a weird medical suspensions at the end. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do, though? What are you going to fucking do? Right? But that is all we have for this particular non-episode episode, as it were. So before we get the fuck out of here, I want to run around real quick and thank these fine gentlemen for excuse me, fine gentlemen for being part of this shenaniganry with me here. So if at this point someone has not signed on for our Uncle Chael scavenger hunt, how can they become part of the Northwest scavenging team, Mr. Fresh O three? Well right now we are taking donations because we believe that he has fled the country. So you can do it at uh, find Uncle Chael at gmail.com uh that is the paypal email address uh go ahead and give us a little bit of go ahead and give us a little bit of money because we may have to head to the middle east to uh track down uncle trail and give him the hug that he deserves that's right for carrying that's right. us through the backstreet boys reunion when no one else would step up that's right so but uh yeah or you can or you can go over and, and uh go over and find my youtube channel youtube.com slash fresh that as well Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciate you coming on and being a part of this. Now, I know it's kind of absurd to, to contemplate, but at this point, if someone still hasn't figured out the best place to get masked curbside cheese curds and find out about a little Kenosha knowledge, how would one gain such information, Mr. TJ? You can find me here Wednesday nights, Vapes YouTube channel. 9.30 central time told usually right at 11 then we cut her down but otherwise Instagrams that's going to be your best bet shoot me a message I'll gladly talk shit with you or give you directions to the nearest bar that has some really good fucking cheese beans awesome awesome thank you very much for your time always appreciate that as well sir so at this point, folks, this is officially, officially the end of Season 2 here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. We will be back again next week, Wednesday evening, not Thursday evening, Wednesday evening, 8.30ish Central Time, leading into the Cloudy Bunker that kicks off on the Golf Tea Vapes YouTube channel at 9.30, giving you all the news and breakdown that will come through between now and then and some stuff that has come through that we just didn't want to talk about tonight. We're saving it for then. Um, and then we will see you fine folks next Thursday for the new shenanigans, same shenanigans, new show, new season, uh, season three of the I'm no Joe podcast kicking off, but we are going to call that all for this evening. So if you enjoyed what we do here, give us a thumbs up. If we made you giggle a little bit, maybe subscribe to the show we we do this every week and we'll make you laugh every week i promise even a little bit if we gave you a point of view that just set the light bulb off over your head share an episode for us we're trying to grow the damn thing on the other side of that coin though 
if we're just a couple dipshits still arguing with OBS and don't know what the fuck we're talking about, give us a thumbs down. We earned it and we won't dispute it. But that being said, we are going to go ahead and call it all for now. So remember, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you don't believe the words of a 2001 shiny silver suited man who said, I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. How do I?